and welcome to Better Than Mario Brothers, where each episode we take a plunge headfirst into cinema's sewer and flush out the very biggest turds and review them just for you. I am Chris Bolton, with me as always my partner in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And this episode we're looking at the... Um, I, I was going to say seminal, I guess it's not, though. We'll, anyway, we're looking at the early 2000s adaptation of Scooby-Doo. Um, yeah. Um, go, you shoot, go for it. Um, I, guess I, I, I went to the cinema to see this. Um, it was during a phase where I think I saw pretty much every film that was released in the cinema um, for about a year and a half because I felt all better to do and I wasn't paying rent and shit. Um, so I remember going to see this, and I remember at the time thinking, oh, it's not that bad. There's some things I wouldn't have done. Um there is a, no, it's a bit stupid, it's a bit silly, but it's fun, it's it's a bit Scooby-Doo-ish. And then, having seen it a handful more times over the last couple of years, um, it's kind of gone down in my estimation, um, partly because I've grown up and you know, it's, it's it doesn't age that well, um, and partly just because you, the more you look at them, the stupider and the, the more anti-Scooby-Doo you realise it actually is. Yeah, I think that's fair. It certainly is stupid. Um, part of the reason I let you go first, actually, because I, I was curious to to hear what you thought of it. Because um, interestingly, I've had the exact opposite journey with okay. <laughs> with this film. Now, I did see it in the cinema. I actually think this is the fourth or fifth time that I've watched it. Um, I saw it twice in the cinema. Um, I bought it immediately when it came out and watched it then. And I may have watched it once more since. I mean, just for full disclosure, um, I, I've mentioned this before as well. I am an absolute Buffy the Vampire Slayer nerd, like utter fanboy. Um, and when this came out, obviously uh, Buffy was still in its in its heyday. Um, I saw this twice in the cinema just to support Sarah Michelle Gellar's then burgeoning career, which has gone nowhere since. I've got merch to do with this film, I'm ashamed to admit. Um, I have some standees, I have some postcards somewhere. So, you know, I, I did have a relationship with this film early on. However, I remember not liking it very much at all. Um, still went to see it twice. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I thought the first time, you know, I just needed to give it another shot. Maybe I didn't give it a fair shake of the stick. I don't know. Um, but I wasn't really paying for cinema tickets at this point because I had an unlimited card. So Man. I was like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Uh, and then when it came out, I had to buy it because, you know, there was a connection to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just like some of the utter horse shit that I own. Um, that we're going to talk about in coming episodes. Oh yeah, they'll be oh, Jesus Christ! The Buffy <laughs> cast did some bad stuff, guys. Believe me. Uh, motherfuckers got to eat. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but um, yeah. having rewatched it, I don't think this is that bad. <laughs> I quite Look, enjoyed I mean, it. I, I've kind of said it. I my biggest problems with it, um, and we'll we'll go through we'll go through the film and I'll sort of point them out as we get there. But my biggest problem with it is that there are there are too many elements which are not Scooby Doo. They're like the antithesis of Scooby Doo, um, and it starts off as you'd expect Scooby Doo episode two, and uh, and it, it works quite well. But then as you go through it, it just kind of gets slowly, slowly a bit more silly, a bit more sinister. It does. I can see. Uh, yeah, I can see how you would say it would move away from Scooby Doo. Um, yeah. So that was my big problem. Yeah. With it. Um, and then my other problem was you've got a cast. You've got a principal cast of four, mm -hmm. all of whom are. A, I 
again, probably highlights of their career, with the exception of uh, Hawkeye's missus, who went on to do a couple of years come in the on, ER. Come on, Scooby-Doo isn't the highlight of Sir Michelle Geller's career, let's be... <laughs> Let's no, that's, that's, what, that's what I mean. You know, you've got you've got people who are in the heyday of their career. So, you know, she, oh right, okay, sorry. I thought you were insinuating that this was season five or season six of Buffy. Yeah, um, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. still you know, making all the girls scream themselves in whatever teen film he's in that week. Um, Matthew Lillard's coming off the back of stuff like Scream, and he's doing very well at that. And Linda Cardellini sort of getting herself established as well. So you've got four people who are very big at that time, and I can understand why you cast them. The problem is because of the way they're handled and the way that, that they're directed to overact like fuckery. They're all trying to upstage Scooby-Doo. Now, not being funny, the whole reason to watch a Scooby-Doo movie is a Scooby-fucking-Doo. Um, I don't want... I'm not looking for Buffy in this. I'm looking for Daphne being fucking useless. I'm looking... I'm, no, I'm not looking for... Um, I'm not looking for Heartthrob Fred, but Fred. I'm looking for logical, sensible, practical, boring Fred. And it just... The, 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 char- the characterization and the portrayal didn't get me at all. I think that's all fair. Um, for me though, I've never actually been a Scooby Doo fan. It was a oh, cartoon I loved that, and I think I've mentioned this before somewhere on a pod. It was a cartoon that just never really did it for me. Um, I like the original ones um, when they started doing like, like all the sort of various different iterations, and they started doing the ones with the guest spots. And there was them Scooby Doo and Corn in one week, mm. and then Sunny and Share the next week, and shit like that. Those I wasn't that bothered about because they were more about. The, the the cameo and the appearance and the stunt casting and they they're even doing it now they did like them Scooby Doo versus Wrestle or Scooby Doo and WrestleMania yeah, a couple and of years and shit like and that. All of that yeah 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 so I mean that that stuff puts me off but the actual the original Mystery Inc stuff I really enjoyed yeah. I used to really like as I mean, a kid so, you know I can't say I, I'm not saying I dislike it but it's just never really done anything for me so I wasn't coming at this from the place of a of a fanboy now if this was like I don't know a Thundercats or a or a Transformers or a Turtles movie, Michael Bay, I'm looking at you, um, <laughs> I'd be a bit more annoyed. But having said that, you know, I, I really liked the first Transformers for the very reason that the Transformers were kind of the guest stars of their own film. It wasn't about them. Um, and and this, as you say, isn't necessarily about Scooby-Doo. It's about the Scooby gang as a, as a whole. Um it is, but in that respect, they don't get enough time to do. They don't get enough time as characters to do anything. There's sort of little snippets, and the, the, this, this. If you if you're making a film like that, so like like the um, original Transformers, where I said that you know they're effectively making a cameo, and it's, it's the human story that they're just part of. That's fine, but then you need to give the human characters a chance to develop. Whereas in this, all the development happens off screen in the two year period between the very first sequence and then the, the time when they all get invited to Spooky Island. Which, by the way, who fucking thought of the name Spooky Island? Do, do you want to know who thought of the name Spooky Island and who oh, made that fucking James, James fucking Gunn is who did J- that. James, <laughs> yeah. yeah, James. And, and, and I've got to be fair, there are some. There are some really good gags in this film and there were a couple of times I laughed I'll, in spite of myself. I'm going to be honest. I laughed all the way through it and I think the script is fucking excellent. And I'm, I'll stand by that comment as well. I think yeah, this I, script, I like that, and, and I'll point honest, it out as were... we go through. I think this is really fucking well written. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. They were, they were, I was going into this, and as I was watching, I was getting annoyed by various things. So the things I've mentioned already, but so some of the things will come up as we talk about certain scenes as well. But in spite of myself, I was saying I was getting really hacked off with stuff, and then I would just find myself chuckling. Yeah, and I couldn't I, even tell you I why. Fucking, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, other than a handful of moments, which, mind you, are so bad that I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But all in all, looking at this on an even keel, like, I, I had a good time with this. <laughs> um, I, oh, yeah. Now, if, if we'd been looking at, Sco- at Scooby-Doo 2, 
then we'd be having a different yeah, conversation. Which, that's that really also on our list for this. Now, that is so bad that I have only watched it once. I do own it for the same reason that I fucking own Scooby-Doo. <laughs> All right, Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it. You know, and for the same reason that I own fucking Simply Irresistible. I own all of these fucking films because I'm a shill. All right, <laughs> simple as that. <laughs> You're an easy mark. Yeah, I totally am. So I own yeah. all of these films. Um, so all of these can be looked at, believe me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was was okay but you know we're not there to talk about to talk, you know give it give our thoughts yet we'll we'll answer the question at the end i think let's let's go through yeah. it um because i think you know generally we tend to have a reasonably similar kind of view on things but i i did kind of feel that maybe this one would would split us slightly and it, and it sounds like yeah. it has so this this could be interesting yeah, we'll we'll, we'll 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 get to it when we get to it at the end. But so there, there are things that I enjoyed, there are things I did, are things that annoyed me. Um, but yeah, we'll just we'll see we'll see what conclusions we get to at the end. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, start off then. Um, the the credits, the opening credits originally, um, mm. they look like a fucking TV show. It, you know, it doesn't. Yes. It doesn't set high standards. Looking at the credits. No, it doesn't. Um, but then the very first thing we get is this scene with Mystery Inc. And the first gag that made me absolutely laugh out loud is this fucking jester ghost bursting through the window with Daphne under his arm, yeah. feeling her up. She actually yells yes. out like, hey, what are you doing with your hands or something like that? Or don't touch me there. Or yes. I, I pissed myself. Like, it's hilarious. You don't expect it in a kid's film. Um, no, this is it, and I think this is this is the bit. This is the tone it so sets very early on, and there's lots. This is the sort of thing that was making that was making me laugh all the way through. It, it's um, a bit schizophrenic and, with that tone, isn't it? Because when it is, yes, when it when it's being witty, it is being incredibly witty and funny. But when it's stupid, it's really fucking stupid. Um, it is, and I think the problem I had is that when it's trying to be sincere, it comes across as a bit trite. Yes, and that's that's. I think to do with it going in a very specific direction and it starts here you know they're clearly going for a postmodern take on these characters they're clearly going to try and lampoon them you know much in the same way that like the Brady Bunch movie did um yeah and I think when when they really go for that like they do in this opening sequence they really fucking pull it off all of the action in this film and I'll point out as it goes through is incredibly well handled like the the set mm. pieces are really well directed, particularly when you consider this is the early two thousands, you know, and it's a kids' film essentially. Yeah, I think yeah, they, they are. I mean, they are well handled. I think that we'll, we'll come to it when we're on the island because there's a chase sequence um, where people are possessed and they're also running around to go to the thing, which we'll so we'll, we'll get to. And again, it's got a very, it does have a very Hanna Barbera, very sort of fifties sixties comedy style to it. And that translates very well. I've got to be honest. It does. It, it does have. It does have I, that sort of authentic feel. I to think it. it's handled very well. And also, and I don't know. Maybe this is the first place we're, we're going to disagree. But I've written a note here, and I'll stand by this as well. I think every member of this cast is doing absolutely exceptional work here. They are nailing these characters immediately. Like if if you remember these characters from the cartoons, they just nailed them. They put that extra level on it. You know, like Fred's being a little bit up his own ass and, and Daphne's probably a little bit more useless than she usually is um, but but they're playing up to that because that's where this film is going to take us I think I think they nailed the tone and they nailed the characters immediately I actually really like Freddie Prince Jr. here um, 
I, I think he's hilarious. Like he's he's showing some comic chops that he doesn't normally get to use because he's sort of stuck in yeah. this dumb leading man role. And when he's lampooning himself here, I think he's fucking hilarious. Like he really he, he nails it. Well, I think. Yeah, again, I think it's when he's when he's taking the piss of himself. And there are, there are a couple of people who do this really well. Um, if you think sort of Bill and Ted, Keanu Reeves, um, yeah. and then you look at sort of Channing Tatum in the the comedies he does, the like 21 Jump Street stuff, when they're not taking themselves seriously at all, and you put uh, Prince Julian in the same category, when they're not taking themselves seriously, they do very good work. It's when they try and do this very serious, yes. very, you know, quote-unquote, important work, they just come across as being shit. And, yeah, he, he does quite well here. I think the, the problem I have with it is that I just don't like smug people. And yeah, he comes across as smug. He comes a bit too that's, smug. And I think that's he, how he's been told could, to play this character, and that's the way the character is yeah. written. Um, and I think he achieves it, it <laughs> very well. He, he does. And I, so I think my big problem with all of it is that they all go on, with the exception of um, Scooby and Shaggy, they all go on these sort of journeys of self-improvement and discovery, and they all, they all learn things, they all grow and develop off-screen in a two-year period. And then they spend the rest of the film trying to revert back or trying to fit what they've learned and where they've gone to into their own well, roles. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I I disagree that they they grow off screen. When they first come back together, they're still very much set in the same mindset as they were when they split up. If if anything, they're more they're more resolute in their ways. It's just that okay, Daphne drops the hint that she's gone and learned martial arts, but then we don't really see her use that until the end. And then Fred is mm. has written a book and has more or less completely ignored everyone else in the Scooby gang. Velma's still jealous yeah. about it. So there's, there's still that friction when they first get back together and they have the thing about all putting their hands in and doing like a team kind of yell and they're like, mm. oh, no, fuck that shit. You know, we don't need that noise. Yeah, um, yeah there are people... Yeah, I mean, I mean, they tell you where these characters are going to go. It's, it's set up very early. That is obviously where these characters are going to go, but it takes us until the third act for them to get there and to function as a unit again properly. So I, I think the growth is there, and I, and I think that's part of... As I say, I, I do think this is very well written, and, and I'll, I'll use that as part of that. You know, There is definitely a through line for these characters, with the exception of, of Shaggy and Scooby, who are Shaggy and Scooby. Like, What, what do you do yeah. with those characters other than let them be who well, they are? Um, yeah, and, and they they do try with with Shaggy to give him a bit of a, a third dimension. Yeah, I mean he gets doesn't really work, and they drop it quite quickly as well. Yeah, so. he gets the love interest and stuff. But I mean, to a man, if we just run through this cast quickly, as I say, I think Freddie Prince Jr. is doing really good stuff with what is. Let's be honest, Fred is a fucking boring role, and a really condescending oh, yeah. one as well. Like he is, he's Mister Vanilla, with, um, and he he, he yeah. does a but lot to pull the... to pull a character out of that. I think. I think, I think that's the bit that puts me off is the fact that there is no character there to pull out and he makes him a bit too rounded. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a good thing. Um, obviously, you know, it's it's there in the script initially and, and he, you know, obviously he's been directed in, to, to play it in this way as well. But I think he absolutely nails it. We get... Um, I mean, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sarah Michelle Gellar. And, and I'm sorry, guys, if you disagree with me on that, I've got, I've got like no more to offer you other than like this is one of my favorite actresses on the planet like and and she's she's excellent in this she's playing the role she's given she is essentially playing season one Buffy is what she's doing here um or rather a pre-season one Buffy but she is essentially playing a a ditzy valley girl um with, mm. with a little bit of spunk and she, she does that exceptionally well that's why she managed to get seven seasons of a tv show out of it um 
Linda Cardellini is, I mean, she nails that, you know, right down to the voice and everything. Um, she sounds bored as hell all the way through. Yeah. Um, Which again, you'd but that's expect the character. You always got that from that. Like, you know, yeah. so, so that's good. And and look, I dislike Matthew Lillard as an actor immensely, um, but there's no denying <laughs> I, it. Like, I mean, look, the guy is Shaggy now. He's he's turned this into a career. He is now the voice of Shaggy. Um, that's how good he is. And he really is excellent in this race, like he was born to play Shaggy. Um, so I, yeah, I'm trying to think what I've seen him. I know he's in the first Scream film, and I think he was in an Amazon series um, based on a series of detective books. I think he's in a series of that, but I can't think of anything I've actually seen him in apart he from this. He was in a those whole bunch of teen shit around this time. Um, That's probably why I don't remember. Yeah, um, always annoying, no matter what he was in but yeah i mean he's in the first scream um he's obviously in both of these and like a million and one scooby-doo things after but i'm just just trying to think now um there's definitely more teen stuff that he's in as well nothing's no, springing to mind though but that's it's probably because i fucking hate him so i haven't really remembered it um yeah i've got very little affinity with him um yeah i've got his um, wiki page up now um, without a paddle groomsman. oh yeah he was in without uh, a paddle wasn't he yeah the descendants um, is he in the descendants I didn't yeah. realise that who is he I in the so. descendants uh, da, 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 I have no idea oh yeah I'm, I'm having a look at his filmography he's only in the name of the king <laughs> oh well, yeah which that's gonna oh that well. one's going to um, pop up believe me that's going to pop yeah. up yeah um, yeah yeah, I remember when we watched that film. That 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 nearly caused me to get divorced before I was. Yeah, even married. I, I can't believe I missed the. Fa- of course, he's in. She's all that. Um, I can't believe yeah. I missed the fact he's with him without a paddle. There's another film I own because of Buffy connections. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Or if I have, I may have don't seen bother. it once and repressed don't bother. it. Don't um, bother. He's in Hackers. Yes, of course. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, He's a fucking, if you look at his filmography, he's He he's was in, and I, I did not realise this, so I may be about to eat my words, because he was in one of my all-time favourite bad films. He was in Ghoulies Go to College. Um, I didn't even know that oh, existed. Oh, yeah, it was Ghoulies 3, I think, where they went to college, because 2 is the... Is it 1 or 2 where they... No, it's 2 where they're in the fear, I think, and 3 is where they go to college, yeah. So, anyway, enough on the career of, of Matthew Lillard. Um... However, before, just before we say that, he's he's in a film called Blood Sucking Bastards. Wow, that sounds good. I mean, to be yeah. fair though, if we're going to talk about bad films, and I know I've already mentioned it once, but Sarah Michelle Gellar was in Simply Irresistible, which is a film that is literally about a magic crab who helps her to cook her way into a man's heart. That is about well, as bad yeah. as a film gets, believe me. <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't sound as bad as Lucretia. Uh No, it's not as bad as Lucretia. Okay, fair point But basically, if you imagine Ratatouille But with a magic crab You're kind of there Yeah Okay Maybe well, I've got later. it here if you want it It's on VHS though um, oh, I, do I don't know though. if it's yeah. ever actually been released on DVD um, I have a Slightly Illegal VHS copy. Moving on quickly. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe I should have coughed yeah. over that. Um, so we get this back to the film after that detour. Yeah. Um, 
what the fuck is Pamela Anderson doing in this? <laughs> what? Well, th- this is, yeah, I mean, th- there there are loads of pointless cameos. Um, it's quite, um, that's a, she's probably the biggest one, but there's, um, I can't think of who it is, but the band when they're on the island as Sugar well. Sugar Oh yeah, of course it is. I've got a note about that. I've got fuck me, it's Sugar Ray. This is the most two thousands thing ever. (laughs) Well, that was I I recognised. I I recognised. I couldn't think who they were. Um, And then um, I think Shaggy's in it as well um, because he did um, he did the closing uh, theme song. Right. I don't know what Shaggy looks like. Um, Don't say it. Don't say it. Generic rapper. Okay. Tight curls and and uh, and jeans because he sold Levi's for a while. Did he? I've no I have no idea what you thought I was going to say. Uh, no, is Shag? <laughs> Which one is Shaggy? Which song does he do? It wasn't me. Oh, yeah, that's right. I know him now. I've yeah. Him, yeah. Um, yeah. So he he popped up. He, he popped up. Am I showing my age? The scenes on the island. Well, no, yeah, hang on. Shaggy would have been my era, wouldn't he? Just shit music yeah. that I'm not into. So yeah, exactly. I think he was around from most of the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it would have been my era, but yeah, just shit music. Yeah, just shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you get the sequence, and you have the, the this case they're solving, and then this again. I didn't understand what was going on until it actually happened. So they're all there mm-hmm. having you know, having stopped the uh, the ghost, and the mystery machine drives it. So who the fuck is driving that? And then obviously Pam Ranson steps out. Hang on, why the fuck is she driving it? Yeah, I don't. Where does she come? I don't from? understand why she's even in this fucking film. Um, Just because she's got nothing else to do, I think she ran out of sex tapes to sell yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's payday for her, some star power, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the, I mean, the whole the whole sequence with the ghost, where I say you know, it's 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 feeling Daphne up, and you know, they've got a plan which goes awry because the um, the ghost sees Scooby's tail sticking out the side of the barrel and sets it on fire. Um, so the whole plan goes awry. All of that was great. It was all very slapstick, very traditional Scooby Doo, and again I thought it was great. But then you have the aftermath of that, where I say Fred basically takes credit for everything and you know, pisses on everybody else. You got the whole thing with Pamela Anderson, and he's there signing copies of Teen Beat or whatever it is he's on the cover of, and it's just it just I know I know why they're doing it, but again, it's just I don't need it. They've they solved the mystery and they can go off and do it. No, they could have quite easily gone into credits there. Yeah, and I and left it. I like it. It's a good setup for what's about to come. So I feel like the script sort of needs it and it front loads it for us. So by the time we come back, then you know a year or two years later or whatever it is, we kind of understand who these people are and how they've got to to where they are and broken up. So yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, doesn't bother me. Um, the the main thing that bothers me is the fucking CGI. Scooby Doo has not aged well. He looks no, it has not. Fucking terrible. And there's a scene later on. Um, which I know the one again. It's there for comic effect, but they're in the van and um, Velma sitting by the window, yeah. and it just looks tremendous. Yeah. I mean, the the background looks awful. There's, I mean, cle- some... clearly they're um, they're CGI in the scene anyway because um, Scooby and Scrappy are in it. So, and they went, well, fuck it, we might as well CGI the background as well. Just stick them on, stick them in front of a green screen and we'll do there's it There's some way. horrendous CGI backdrops um, when we get to Spooky Island as well, uh, when, when yeah. the gang are all in front of the, the ghost house thing. Uh, there's also the monsters themselves when they come look fucking awful. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but look, it is what it is. It's early two thousand CGI. I can yeah, fucking live really. with it. It's it's fine. Um, so yeah, I think that's the problem. Is it doesn't it hasn't aged well. I mean, at the time, it would have and CGI never does. It this great. is why you should always no, try right. and use practical effects. Um, but I'm yeah, not especially when you're doing dragons and talking dogs. Yeah, I'm not going to get on my high horse about that right now. Um, so so <laughs> yeah, save my, my next note actually, because because we're just about to hit the the sort of uh, flash forward here. Um, yeah. and we finished this first big scene and I've just written straight away because um, I, I knew even at this point I, I knew it had to go drastically downhill from here for me to hate it but I've, I've just written I have clearly misunderstood this film it is clearly <laughs> a complete and total piss take it's, it's good bad not bad bad in my opinion um, everyone here knows that they are absolutely taking the piss and lampooning it and you know what they're going for it with such gusto that i'm all right with it i i've came along yeah, to I the mean, ride and enjoyed it so yeah i mean to, to be fair yeah, they, they they are on occasions they are chewing the scenery and they don't no, care. They know and they're I, doing I don't, it i don't think yeah I, I, I don't think that's that's the problem and for me it's 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 not what i wanted from a scooby-doo film but i mean i i can i can live with it and say it was entertaining it passed I, th- I th- actually thought it was really it was really quick. It is um, quick. It's eighty something it's, minutes, which gets a massive minutes. thumbs up from me. I like yeah, short films, but it didn't. But it didn't feel like a short film. It just felt like it. It moved. Yeah, it did. It's pacey. I, yeah, yeah. I, and I was I was on board with that. I was quite happy with that because I, I got to the the, sort of the set piece at the end. Of the, oh shit! Okay, we're here already. Yeah, fine with it. Absolutely fine with it. Um, yeah. The next scene we get uh, again typical of and, and this is where when it's when it really goes for things and when it works it really works and this is where the mismatch comes in because because the next scene shag and scuba having a barbecue inside the inside the van, in the van. to the tune yeah. of past the duchy so you just see the yes. smoke pouring out of the van past the duchy's playing and that it's hilarious like we all know it, like it's it's a long-standing yeah. gag that, that shaggy and scooby are total stoners you know hence the scooby yes. snacks and stuff like that and the munchies and and they, again they just go for it like it'll sail straight over a kid's head so it's fine but if you know yeah you right. know and when they when they and deploy that kind of humor it really fucking works it's hilarious it, it it does and i think um i think it's how i met your mother um which they, they, because he's relaying a story of his past to his kids. He does obviously doesn't want to tell them that they used to get stoned. So instead of talking about joints, he talks about sandwiches. And they have these big foot long subs, just like Shaggy and Scooby have. Even to the point where they they're bulging with them with salad and shit like that. And again, it's just a nice little nod back to that sort of that sort of humor and that sort of again that nod and a wink. So if you know, you know, and if you don't, you're not really going to yeah. miss it. Um, and it's it's something that you know, things like that pop up time and time again throughout TV and film. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean the, the whole thing. As I said, there, you, you you get there, and the, you you hear past the Dutch, and the, the van's parked up on a beach, and you see the smoke, and they talk. And I can't remember what the line is, but the, the line again kind of suggests that they're having a good yeah. old smoke. And then camera, no camera tilts down, and there you are, and they're grilling something, and you're thinking, okay, yeah, that's great. Again, that's pretty clever. That's pretty funny. Kids won't get it, and 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 the adults will be having a slight little chuckle themselves and trying. To not be too loud, so they don't have to explain to the kids what they're laughing yeah, at. Yeah, it's great, great. Unlike the next scene where you know the gangs all, but they get roped in to go into Spooky Island, and then we find out that yeah. the rest of the gang are there as well. But the the airline has a policy on not allowing dogs on the flight. 
So Scooby has to dress in drag. And it's this kind of shit that really lets the film down. Like I said, when it's when it's trying to be a bit subversive, it's excellent. When it just goes for the stupid lowest common denominator laugh for the kids, it is but fucking again, again, it's horrible. Fairly, it's fairly classic Scooby-Doo. You, you would get Scooby and drag quite often. My biggest problem with it is when in the next scene when they're on the plane, they don't let dogs on, but there's a fucking cat on there. Ah, uh, I didn't notice that. I noticed that it's the rowdiest plane in history. Well, it is, yeah, because it's, it's like a party airline because it's full of spring yeah, breakers. It's going also another... It, it cuts into an establishing shot just like you get on a TV show. Um, yes, it does. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a, the, it's, it's a story point, actually, because, uh, again, it's done for laughs, but um, Scooby and Shaggy are up front and um, they meet um, Mary yeah. Jane which again yeah fantastic. again see when it wants to Made be made me laugh for no it's reason fucking hilarious yeah um, and Shaggy basically fucks him off so he can you, know, you can chat up the girl and so Scooby goes back to sit next to Fred and Velma and there's a cat across the aisle which then gets him off barking and you know, he's trying to attack it and all the rest of it um, I hadn't noticed I was probably still laughing at Mary Jane um Quite pro- I had to go back to it and because again there's a line in there where Fred says oh it's all about behaviour modification all you do is flick it on the nose and flick a dog on the nose and it will it will immediately come to heel so he, he, he says no, he, he calls Scooby Scooby turns around he flicks and it Scooby on the nose punches and Scooby Doo just now that's him. funny as well you know that I, that I laughed at again and that, but then you know you've got Scooby barking and really going at it for this cat and you think well hang on if dogs aren't allowed to the point where Scooby's got to go in drag, why yeah. the fuck are you and, and, and more to the there? point, if the Scooby gang are that famous, you know, they're on the cover of magazines, they've been personally invited to, to Spooky Island and stuff, surely Scoob gets a pass, doesn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, they've not been famous for a while, presumably, because they've all gone their separate ways. Um, but yeah, again, you think that, you know, if it's an island where you have to fly to get there and you're specifically inviting the fucking make dog. Sure the dog can fly dog's got to get there yeah. somehow so yeah I, I bumped up against that a little bit and as i say that kind of humor and like i said maybe this is a taste thing because i'm not really a fan of scooby-doo the cartoon either so if that's yeah maybe that's what i'm bumping up against as opposed to the stuff that you're bumping up against which is the non-traditional scooby-doo stuff yeah um, I, i'm going for stuff I mean, that's I mean, more your kind that... of traditional family film i guess that's just adult yeah. enough for the adults but over the kids heads um, that yeah. stuff was great but I mean like, yeah I mean certainly when, like, Scooby and Dragon like, the way he walks and stuff like his um, his gait and his demeanour stuff, that's all lifted straight out of the comic even like, even the style of the dress and the, I'm, I'm fairly sure if you looked at the pattern on the dress it would have popped up in one of the cartoons and they would have deliberately copied that maybe so yeah. I mean that sort of stuff I didn't I didn't really mind so much the, the, the bit on the plane with the cat just again it, it didn't fly with the, with the internal logic of the film and that's something that really pisses me off because if, if you make if you make a point of something in your script and you play for it, you can't then piss on it in the yeah. very next scene. Yeah, fair comment. But there you go. Fair comment. Um, so we get Spooky Island and Rowan Atkinson shows up. I completely forgot he was in this film until he showed up. I, th- I thought he was in the second one. I thought actually that I thought he and this whole storyline was the second one. Um, I'd I'd actually forgotten this entire storyline until about halfway through, if I'm honest. When when um, Scrappy shows up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, because I remember actually really liking the Scrappy Doo was in it to begin with, because they kept that pretty fucking yeah. quiet, if I remember rightly. Well, they they did, but as I thought this because and because it comes so late in as well, I thought I was convinced it was the yeah. second film. 
and now can't remember what the fucking second oh, one was. Oh, the second one is where every monster they've ever caught gets released again and they have to go and round them all back up. It's Oh, it's, it's like goosebumps. Fu- yeah, it's fucking awful. Um, that's on the list. We'll get to it. Um, particularly since I've enjoyed this one so much. Um, <laughs> I, and just for clarification, before anybody... I mean, we'll we'll close out in the end, but before anybody on the internet starts jumping on my dick... Um, you, you have to put this in perspective. I'm saying I enjoyed this so much. Look, this is not a good film, but this podcast is not about good films with the exception of Rubber. No. So for what it is, I've really enjoyed this film. Um, so anyway, we then we then get to like this, this first kind of party scene and we've got these kind of neon skeleton guys who I'm pretty sure we last saw in Batman and Robin. Um, it's like they got a yes. job lot on the costumes or something. Um well, I think it was just a case of the, these people hadn't worked yeah, for a so while. Yeah, so let's get the fucking... Um, so they need to give them something the to do. Skeleton guys back in, I guess. Um, yeah. And then this, this fucking monster thing chases Scoob through the forest. I swear to fuck, it looks like a PS2 game. It's... Oh, yeah, it, The animation is good, to be fair. You know, the animation on Scoob and, and the um, and the monster, they, they're well animated. It's just the fucking lighting yeah. is so flat. On the, on the models, like terrible. nothing's rendered properly. It's it's awful, yeah. but it's early 2000 CGI, so. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've missed a bit when they first arrive or if this comes later on. I'm not sure, so I'll, I'll bring it up now, and if it, if it comes later, we'll, we'll, you can sort of shut me down and we'll get to it later. But when they first arrive and they're introduced to Ron Atkinson, um, and you've got all these kids milling around, and they're, they're talking about it being spring break, and then everybody's suddenly, again, it's some everybody's sort of just sort of standing there and walking mm-hmm. in an orderly fashion and nobody's shouting and yelling and, it, and so somebody says does this feel a bit off and it's like you don't really need to signpost it that fucking much this early on yeah, build I, I don't know, I don't it's, know. It's, it's telling us it's what the problem is I think it's just... kids are a bit thick aren't they um, I'm okay with that I didn't bump up against the line um, I, I just say again it was um, Show don't tell. Yeah, which well, I mean, they do show it. It's just that it's it's a kids' film, so you know. I mean, it's not like they turn around and say, "Look, they've all been possessed by evil monsters." It's just a case of something's off with to, them. They arrive like this and go like that. To be fair, if the if the line had been, "It's like they're possessed," yeah, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been any less rankling for me. I've got to be yeah. honest, but that's I yeah, it be. I I didn't bump up against it. Um, I think it's fine, you know, when, you, when you're pitching a film at, at this level. Um, it wasn't, you know, we, we didn't get Joe Exposition in or anything of like that. It was just like, well, I'm confused. They yeah. come like this, they leave like that. Something's going on. And at the end of the day, we have to set the mystery up here for for the guys we to do. solve. True. So, you know, as setup goes, I'm fine with that. We have to know why they were called to Spooky Island in the first place, don't we? And that's it. That is their mission given, essentially. It's their call to action. Um, so we get our first big sort of investigation slash action sequence then where they end up at this kind of spooky castle ghost train thing. And yeah. look, this this whole sequence, aside from the initial uh, establishing shot of the castle where they're all outside and the castle's in the background, which looks dreadful, um, yeah. I thought the whole sequence is really fucking good. Again, the action sequences in this film are great. I did. I liked it actually. And I think the bit that I mean, you've got the whole thing where um, Daphne's trying to be, you know, Daphne's trying to work things out on her own and yeah. not get kidnapped, um, and so she kind of overthinks a scenario and then overthinks the overthinking. Which again, it's very well written. I think it's not 
it doesn't come off very well. I think it, I think she struggles. I, I'm not sure whether she struggles with it or where, whether it's just too much to get your head around in in a very short period mm-hmm. of time. But they could have quite easily gone with her getting the clue, and then off she wanders. Um, I love the bit where Velma is basically making you know, making noises and making shit moves to, to freak everybody out, and then she just comes out pissing herself. I thought yeah. that was really well done. And then the, the action sequence where they say no, they're all um, they're all trapped and they're all in danger. Excellent. Um, yeah, Aside was, from again the stupid shit with like the possessed food or whatever it is that's like pinning shag and scoob down and attacking them that's where it got stupid well, that's part of the ride wasn't it yeah but that that to me is where it got stupid that that's where it left the realms of you know potential this could happen and just went into absolute absurdity um and we'll, we'll, we'll come to that towards the end as well yeah and so didn't well. like that and um, then my my big my, my big problem with this sequence was the little person because Added nothing. No, but it's a fucking spooky carnival, so why not yeah, throw them in there? I know, I know you have issues, but <laughs> but no, it, it, it's it's not so much. It's just again, it's the fact that we don't need to see the fact that somebody's turning the ride on, and we don't need to see the fact that people are out to get them. We could have quite easily found out. As you know, you get to a point right at the end of the sequence where Fred gets thrown through a window, and and um, and finds this um, this little person. We could have had it there and find out at that point that they've been, it's all been manipulated. It's not actually haunted, but because we've been shown it again, we don't really, we don't get anything from it. Uh, I guess, but then there's also an element of dramatic tension in there as well. You know, we we see that somebody's actually doing this to them, as opposed to it being this unseen force. So, but again, it's Scooby Doo. It's always so. No, it's always the fucking janitor or the dude who runs the water slide. It's never ghosts. Yeah, but Scooby Doo is always a twenty-minute cartoon as well, and we've got an eighty-minute film here. So we can't have the same sequence all the time. Um, so we've already had the guy dressed up as the ghost to begin with. So yeah, but as you don't, you don't need anybody. As you, you know, you have the sequence you know, with the right noise. If you don't, what I said, you don't need to see the person turn, you know, flicking the switches and turning things on. We we don't need any of that. I disagree. I, I I fundamentally disagree. I think you do for for the dramatic tension of it all, and and I also think there's been no real mention at this point that we think maybe spooky island is haunted um so so there's nothing to suggest that it would be anything other than a ride operator turning the ride on and somebody is working against them and they don't want them on the island um i'm i'm okay with it i yeah it's fine i think um it it, it just bugged me Uh, again in in terms of no no suggesting the island's haunted it's called fucking spooky island yeah but it's called spooky island because it's a theme park um, at no point is there a suggestion that there were ghosts or anything um, I think maybe that's just baggage that's being brought to this because it's called Scooby-Doo um, so uh, yeah I, I don't have a drama with it um, at all um, I do have a drama with as you say they, they go through to this other area that, that Fred locates and then Shag and Scoob proceed to have a fucking Boop and fart off, which is look. Yes. I love a good fart gag, but this is not a good fart gag. This is a gratuitous no, again, couple of minutes of body um, and, noises, yeah. and it's not the only time they do it. No, they do it a hell of a lot, and it's annoying um, it's, and stupid. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's 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 thrown in just to appease idiot children. Yeah, it is, and and that's where this film falls down. Whenever it plays to children like this, whenever it really goes for the stalls like this, 
it really falls down when it's when it's on a nice even family film keel it's fucking good i think it, it is it it does well it's just all of this pulls it down so badly like this pulled me straight out of the film for a couple of minutes so it's just like oh for mm. fuck's sake you know yeah. um because then you then get like a, a bit of a fucking music video style segment um to bump in the night which i have a vague recollection of owning and i know for a fact if i really turned my collections upside down i had the cd single of bump in the night um <laughs> bear that in mind when my next note says this soundtrack is fucking terrible yeah um i've got to be i i can't remember the name of the group that sang it but they had another song which was a proper earworm and my first year of uni it just somebody put on on the, the jukebox in the bar at once and it was there for the entire fucking year was it was it bewitched um, no um i have to look it up now it's somebody like 18s or something like that it's one of those type of groups isn't it i definitely yeah i know i had it yeah uh let's see i know i had it on single and i swear i can dig it out if i had to um yeah i've got a rough uh, idea where it would be as well i would just have to do some pulling around of boxes and <laughs> who the fuck wants to do that you know yeah um uh, i I'm, sh- I'm sure it was something like fucking bewitched or some it was um oh, it was a band called all stars who were one of the um kids tv it was yeah it's a girl group wasn't it yes. yeah i remember it being a girl group anyway we digress yeah um yeah but i don't own the soundtrack so i'm quite happy yeah. with that so we get this thing i don't own the whole soundtrack just fucking <laughs> bumping the night so just the worst song yeah um Actually, you know, I think I might have the fucking soundtrack as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Never mind. I've done some fucking... Believe me, I have done some stupid shit for my love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Honestly, some real <laughs> stupid shit. Um, right. Um, the soundtrack's fucking terrible. Um, and, and so we, we just had this discussion about, you know, the... Um, playing up on the drama of, of somebody's working against them and they suspect something's going on and it's called out in the next scene when they literally tell mr bean that something is wrong here and he is a suspect now yes that is fucking ned stark level stupid <laughs> you don't walk up to the obvious villain and say by the way we think you're a villain like yeah that is fucking stupid yeah that's pretty that's pretty dumb um yeah and it, again it's that it's the way so he he passes it off as well i'm a suspect of course you're a fucking suspect it's your place yeah. yeah it's your fucking theme park if anybody knows what's going on you should it's yeah. going to be you um but then that leads on and again this the theme of someone working against them and they know that it's someone and not something leads to one of my fucking favorite gags in the film we have an extended scene where they're in a in a sort of club or a bar and there's the temple of doom looking guy who was at the fucking rain yes. thing earlier on who's very clearly set up to be a villain and he's kind of walking through menacingly and it's it's juxtaposed just after they've said all of this to mr bean so you know that they're kind of on edge and they're looking for for who's going to get them and this guy's stalking through and you genuinely think he's going to start some shit and after this really prolonged sequence of him menacingly stalking them through the club 
he just sits down and plays some nice light jazz piano (laughs) it's fucking hilarious again like as i say when this film is when this film is working it really works and that is hilarious um i just really wish there wasn't so much stupid slapstick shit to pull it down yeah it yeah i think the, i think that's the biggest problem as you said it, it is almost sort of schizophrenic in the script in the script and as much as it doesn't know what no, it wants it to be really it doesn't know doesn't. the tone it wants to set it, it feels that, like it is a big problem i, I found it quite jarring it is, in places it because is definitely. you're just about settle into a particular style a particular form a, no, even a particular type of brand of humor and then it completely flips through 90 degrees. You know, oh, fuck, where are we going now? Yeah, it does. And it, and it does feel like, obviously, James Gunn's credited as the writer and Raja Gosnell's credited as the director, but it feels like studio filmmaking, you know, which it is. Yeah. So that's understandable. Oh, but... yeah. I mean, this this was a, I mean, this was always going to be a massive property. You know, it, it, it cut, you know they, they spent $85 million on it and recouped 280. So, you know, it's, it, it, was, it was always going to be a big deal. And to that extent, I mean, um, you're always going to get a certain degree of oversight and a certain degree of, sort of limitation in terms of the creative um, direction it went in. Um, but yeah, it just feels like any time they feel like they, that there's a sense they, they're going in a particular direction, it's like, no, oh, rain that back in. Yeah, we don't want that. Can't be. Can't be letting you do that. That's too yeah, much fun. And it's... Oh, that's no. That's that's too. That's too logical it and that makes it too much of one film we don't want that we want to pull all these different elements in and keep people guessing and, and keep appealing to these various different audiences all the way through and it's it's quite disjointed yes it's a shame because it when you get these glimpses every now and again um, and to be fair i actually think there's probably more good than there is bad it's just the bad is so bad um it's the bad is more noticeable. yeah and when you get these it's glimpses the of really good stuff like you can almost see the film that, that could have been um, and, mm. and kind of all the component parts are there it's just it's had too much interference I think um, so I mean moving forward we get the, the flashback scene with Scrappy which again as far as writing goes is excellent yes. because having already seen the film I know where it's going I'd forgotten about it till it popped up but I know mm. where it's going however I remember even on my first initial view and it feels like such a throwaway scene and especially when we've had yes. kind of the references back to the show it just feels yeah. like a throwaway gag scene. This is probably the only time I find the toilet humour here really funny. Um, Scrappy yes. pissing all over Daphne It is really well executed. Um, I get The only bit I didn't like in that was where um, Fred's, Fred tells him to stop marking his territory. I quite like that. Um, <laughs> I, as, a, as, a gag, I, as a gag, I like it. I just don't like the line itself because from that perspective, given... Given the fact that you know, Fred is the leader and you know, Scrappy's this little shit they all actually fucking hate, it's 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 almost the line is almost a concession that we, we know it's your territory, so you don't have to mark it. Yeah, and that's I don't think that's the intention. Um, you know, and you know, if it's long, even if it was along the lines of you know, he's trying to mark his territory or something like that, it just it just feels like too much of a concession to say stop yeah. stop marking your territory because it it, it gives possession yeah. over i don't i don't think I, it works i liked it just like i like the horny ghost i like the horny puppy as well i mean I, <laughs> it plays to my level that, yeah that bit i didn't mind it was it was fr- the only bit i didn't like was yeah, Fred's line. that's the only thing i didn't like place my level um and, and and the cgi background which i mentioned yeah. earlier um so so we get that scene is it's very funny very well executed like it a lot um and and look as much as and the payoff to the gag as well, where uh, I mean, it, when they boot him it's out, it's not. It's never yeah. done. 
yeah, it's, it's never done in the cartoon where no, you never get this power play from Scrappy, but you always get the impression he feels he could do a better job. But he's just so gung ho. He, he's, he's far more interested in the mystery and the fighting and all the rest of it to actually lead the yeah. group. Whereas here, he's a power hungry little dickwad, and he's like, oh, I, I no, you, you should remove, no, remove him and make me your absolute unchallenged leader. And if you don't, I'm going to leave. I said, like, well, you know what? That's going to fucking yeah. end up. And, and true to form, they kick And it works beautifully as set up for later on. Like all the all the pieces yes, are there, and it's executed really, really well. Um, I do remember, you know, harkening back to my first viewing and, and not actually seeing that coming when it comes back around the end. But watching it back now, all of yeah. the pieces are in play. It's excellent. Very deftly handled. Yeah. Very nicely done. Um, we then, again, talking about the soundtrack, like, what the fuck is this weird labyrinth cover that they start playing and then it goes into something else? Uh, yeah, I have no like, idea. Like it's very, it's unmistakably labyrinth, and then mm. like they change a few of the lyrics around, and then it goes into something else. It's weird, 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 weird. Yeah, um, there are a lot of choices like that. I don't understand. No, I mean like, that's that's whoever put the soundtrack together, and this wasn't their best day at the fucking office, was it? Let's be fair. Well, we'd hope yeah. not, wouldn't you? If this is their best day, so so then we get like the it. first kind of big monster attack. And short of the yeah. monsters looking dreadful, again, it's a really well-executed action sequence. Like, it's exciting, yeah, I mean, the, 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 it's well the problem, shot, you know? it's Yeah, the problem with the monsters is, the, again, the monsters are designed for, for kids. They're yeah. designed to not be too scary. They're menacing, but they're not, they're not hor- horrendously scary. Because, again, you don't want to put the kids off, and you don't want to stop them by in the toys. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have too much of a problem with the design of the monsters. They kind of look like giant gremlins. Um, and they yeah. especially look like kind but of they, gremlins they bit... you get in kind of Disney cartoons. They, they look like the things from Gummy Bears. You remember the ogres in Gummy Bears? They kind of yeah. look like them. Um, I don't have a problem with the look. I just have a problem with how badly rendered they are. Um, that... Well, yeah, there's that. And when it's that often and later on, it just... It, it look... It, the way the way they off them, it just looks again really cheap and really poorly yes, done. Yes, it does. It does. But again, it's the early fucking two thousands in it. So yeah. Um, I don't get me wrong. It's better CGI than I can yeah. um, So then you know moves on, and Isla Fisher's accent is really inconsistent here. We talk on Game of Moans about fucking Jon Snow's accent being in and out. This yes. is all over the fucking shop, though. Um, yeah, I mean. It's, I think this is one of her earlier film roles. It is to be fair um, to her and to give her credit. It is. She, I mean, she's. I think. I mean, I think so it's the, certainly the first thing I'm aware of that where she she had to do a uh, she had to do a particular accent. I mean, everything else. Everything I'm aware of before that is all Australian. Obviously, she has an Australian accent, or she did have it, or she does now. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think that it's it's one of those. It's they could have done a bit more. They could have coached her a bit more. Um, they could have done a bit more work with her. I, it wasn't my biggest problem with her. My biggest problem with her is that she does. She looks fucking terrible. As yeah, well. she does. She does, doesn't she? Because yeah. she's because she's so because she's so very atypically ginger. She's very yeah. pale, yeah. Um, and she's you no. Know, it, it's a very. She's got a very sort of deep auburn hair. To see her as this bottle blonde just really fucking. Yeah, but me. I mean that's baggage that we've got, I guess. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I think it's. It's baggage to an extent, but if you if you look at it and you see it, you know it's it's not just her. You see it with lots of actors when their appearance changes that drastically, yeah. it's very difficult to not bring that baggage with it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I'm presuming the reason she didn't have the red hair is purely and simply because of, because Daphne. of Daphne. Yeah, so you you yeah. can sort of 
see why. I mean, her and Sarah Michelle Gellar are maybe about a year or two years apart. I would say in age, yeah, similar kind of build. So, well, they are, and I think I mean the way again the the way that um, Daphne was set up, she's a lot more um, curvy than she is in the cartoons, and I think the um, the the outfits have a bit more cleavage. So to then have a character who looks very yeah. similar, it's like oh fuck, we can't do yeah. that. We how do we fix that? We just give a blonde hair, yeah, should be exactly. fine, rather than casting somebody else. Um, and I think she does a when well, she does a reasonable job in the character. I quite like it. Um, she was blatantly always a bad guy um from i know she wasn't but she she is for a bit and she she was there purely for that um i i'll be honest yeah it's it's a drive that way she felt completely unnecessary to me as a character but she was likable enough and isla fish is certainly likable as an actress so i didn't have a problem but for me you could slash her out of the script entirely and lose nothing um no, I, th- I think that the, the, there is a very small thing. I mean, because they, they did it with everybody else very early on, where they, they splintered mm-hmm. the group. And in spite of everything, O'Shea and Scooby stay together and friends don't quit. But then. She had to drive away. You get this. Yeah, yeah she, she, she's the wedge that gets driven in. And then, so she's there anyway because obviously Shaggy's completely infatuated with her. And then when Scooby finds out she's possessed and Shaggy doesn't believe him. Then that no, that's just really hammering it home. So it kind of it then completely fractures the group. Whereas it's you no, know, it's been damaged already, and the others are all, the others are at this point where they're trying to one up each other, trying to outdo each other, and prove that they're actually you know, useful to the team, and or you know the team needed them. Scrappy, uh, Scooby and Shaggy are just a little bit a little bit behind, and it's like they're catching up at this point. And I think to split them off, obviously you need it from a story point of view to to get Scooby to where he needs to be at the end anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those that. Yeah, I I can see that. Probably yeah. better ways. I, I can see it. that it it certainly is functional. Um, yeah, I would I would argue maybe a better way is I, to have Scoob inadvertently do something that, that has a very real cost for the entire group, so that he yes. shunned an outcast, yeah. um, including yeah. by Shaggy, which is so. the final nail in the in the coffin for him. It also makes Scoob your ultimate hero, which is what he should be. The film is called Scooby Doo. Exactly. Um, yeah. But that's not the direction they went in. It's about the team. No. Um, and I like it being about that's the right. team, and to I, be fair. Yeah. I, I think the word you used there um, was probably right word in terms of um, a violation on that device. Is that it's yeah. functional. It is. It's, it's functional. And I think that's yeah. probably and, and, I, and as for. I say, I, I think Isla Fish is a very good actress. She's she's always likeable. Um, so yeah. I, I don't have an issue with it. I just... She just is... You know, as a character, she just yeah. is. She is a walking, talking narrative device. As I say, she was always going she to is. turn from from the second she appeared. She was bad news. Oh yeah, because she she was too yeah. nice and too bubbly and too friendly, and it was, it was yeah. always going to um, And I, I've got to say, as, as an aside, I would like to say see her play a, an actual yeah. villain. Maybe she has, and we've missed I think it. She I've, I've off not very well. followed her career. Um, I, I'm not. I don't think so. I'm always aware of her when she's in something, just because she was fundamentally a part of this era, um, especially for yeah. sort of British late teen to early adults. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I can't think of anything. Maybe she is. I don't know. Um, we'll do some research, or if yeah, you know and we don't, hit us up. Let us know, guys. We'll check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if it's in a bad film. Um, yeah, because yeah. we might have to look at it again. I mean, yeah, looking at her filmography, I can't see anything that she's done where she's like them. She's yeah, the out and out villain. She's too likable. She's not. She's, uh, she's too likable. That, yeah. That's the thing. Um, 
So she pulls a phone out to phone, like, what is it, the Coast Guard or the military or something? And fucking hell, yeah. check out that phone, man. Now you know this, isn't it? And just when you <laughs> thought it couldn't get any more early 2000s, here come fucking Sugar Ray. Um, and I've actually written here, this is the most 2000 thing ever. I mean, this was, what, 2003, oh, I think? 2002. 2002. There you go. 2002. So, yeah, it, it really looks it as well. Um, yeah. Now, the bit with the Coast Guard, right? I'm not entirely sure what happened because she, she makes the call and says, no, I can't remember the line, but she says, no, basically that no, shit's going down, you need to send help. And he, and he says, oh, we, we do have a patrol in the area. Okay, fine. So then they hang up. And that's just the way they frame it is as if the guy from the Coast Guard is going to do something sinister. Yes, they do, yeah. And I don't get why, because it doesn't go anywhere. And the next time you see them, they're frog marching with, or they're frog marching the police on to go and arrest the, the perpetrators. So yeah, I don't. I yeah, don't know. I don't know either. It's a bit weird. Um, yeah, that is a bit weird. It struck me as weird watching it as well, but I kind of forgot about it. Um, I guess I assumed at the time it was going to go somewhere, so I didn't make a note about it. Well, that's that's it. I mean, I I, I expect it to go somewhere, yeah. and then it just doesn't. But, um... but it's the way it's the way it's shot, yeah, the way it's it lit, the way it it's d- delivered. You think something's going to happen? It doesn't. Um, Unless I switched off by that point. So then we get this kind of bike chase thing, and of course Isla Fish is a bad guy. Um, Why? And I've written here, of course she's a bad guy. Why else would her character exist? As just discussed. Um, (laughs) Then we get another another contender for for best moment of the film. I think definitely, actually, my favourite line. Not the not the grabby ghost earlier on. I fucking love this. So we get to the point where. Um, Shaggy finds that all, all of the Scooby gang have been possessed by the spirit things yeah. and Shaggy finds all of their heads swirling around in this like cauldron-y mystic Protoplasm, thing Protoplasm. yeah um, so he pulls Fred out first and Fred is like Jesus Shaggy man I'm totally freaking out talk me down man talk me down <laughs> and Shaggy's response is Fred you're a friggin protoplasmic head and it just had me like from the talk me down to a very clear substance abuser to the to the yeah. flat outline of Fred, you're a friggin' protoplasmic head. Again, when they absolutely go for the absurdity, it's so fucking good. And the delivery from both mm. parties is hilarious. It's just a wonderful little scene. Unfortunate CGI yeah. again. Um, on the heads themselves but it's yeah. a wonderful little scene now, and credit to Matthew Lillard even I've, more I've... so than Freddie Prince Jr there is delivery of the line is is excellent yeah I mean in terms of the CGI I've got to realize that obviously it was no they were renderings of the people's faces and they were very smooth and very shiny I think um, the one of Fred was probably the best one yeah. I think the others were a bit I don't know they just didn't they didn't seem to capture the likeness too yeah. well um, or the, the I don't know if it was the way this when they spoke and the movement of the face I don't know just something about them didn't didn't work but I think because you get Fred delivering that line where he's completely tripping anyway yeah. and it's just straight on his face and it's like it, that seems to be a lot more effective than the other especially uh, I think Valmo yeah really definitely the one. Um, so I mean we we get we get then to the point where obviously the gang sort of get back together aside from Scoop who's sort of gone off and done his own thing now because he's had a fight with Shaggy um, they, they form yeah. their plan they find out you kill the monsters with sunlight um, and it all builds up and it really does build up to an action shot on Velma as she delivers the line and I look any other film I swear to god this would make me groan and I would throw things at the screen 
I, I loved it. Again, I think I threw my I think this screen. cast is so good, and I think Linda Cardellini's delivery and her voice and her performance of Velma is so good that she, she sold it for me. She says, "Let's get jinky with it." And you get the callback to classic Velma. You get the what would have been a culturally relevant line in 2002. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, I threw my I, pencil. I was, I, was, I, was, I was watching on my iPad and I threw my pencil. And I think, and I think to be fair, that's probably because it. by this point you were already out. Whereas I was, I was oh, two yeah, thirds of the way in. <laughs> and this was just like, yeah, I do. I like this. You know, and, and this is another one of those those moments that's just again kids are not really going to get it they're not going to understand the jinky reference they'll understand getting jiggy with it but no. they won't understand the jinky yeah um yeah and i've got to be honest they do it quite a few times like she's no she says jinkies and um you've got shaggy saying zoinks and stuff like that. So they, they've done it all the way through and it, again it's it's hard it harks back to the to the, to the source when again, kids wouldn't get it kids will just think they're making noises and they're random and they're a bit stupid um uh, the noise is not the kids, um, but yeah, obviously for the you know for for people who've come into this and know, you know knowing Scooby Doo and having grown up with Scooby Doo, and again, it, it's it's one of the, it runs the risk of being quite annoying or yeah. or being absolutely joyful. Yeah, and for me, I I, um, yeah, I I was on board with that, even not loving the cartoon that much. I, I was on board with it until I said. Until I love the line. She she delivers it with so much conviction. Like it's not the, the, it's not delivered with the, a sly wink to camera or anything like that. It's delivered with absolute conviction, and that's why it works oh yeah, the, for me. The, the, the delivery and the performance. I the, the delivery and the performance. I don't probably. It was just the line itself. I was. Just, I, I just. I, I had yeah, to grow. I know, myself, but it is. It, it's tongue in cheek, and they know it's tongue in cheek, and it, it's. It's, it's very 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 close to the wire like if it if it had been delivered incorrectly yes it would absolutely have been the nail in the coffin i think um because i because i say yeah, i i, I, mean, I could go either I mean, way i'm probably about two-thirds in into this film you know but it's still i'm still not so into it that they couldn't lose me completely and instead that line just pushed me over the edge i was like as we're moving into act three you get that line to ramp us up and i'm like yeah, do you know what? This is all right. I, I'm I'm enjoying it. And I, yeah, I I think it works. I, and and that is credit. I think that's credit to the performance more than credit to the writer because it's easy to write a line like that. It, it's a a line like that is just a, a given in a film like this. Um, it, you know, you you could have been much cleverer about working it in and things if you wanted to be. It's a it's a given. It's an obvious line. It's an easy gag, but the delivery is spot on and and to be fair and to be fair the direction there as well you can't just credit the performer you know that's that's what happens when everything comes together for me might not play for everybody and i'm aware of how bad it can be um i liked it this is a, this is probably a personal tasting i liked it i felt it worked um yeah i so much so that i as i say i, I made a note about it um so, so they, you know, we, we move into our act three and Scrappy's revealed as a villain, which totally works. It's excellent, apart yeah. from his CGI. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, as I'd forgotten, I, th- I thought that Scrappy um, was was in the second one, not the first one. So obviously, but no, but once he's, he was shown earlier on, I knew it was this one. Um, but yeah, when I saw this film for the first time, completely blindsided by it, didn't see it at all. 
again, possibly because of the baggage and whatnot and, and the character and all the rest of it. But yeah, completely but here's an interesting thing. It's like it's seeded well in the scene with Scrappy. Yeah. But also, yeah. if you look back at Rowan Atkinson's scenes up to this point, he's constantly scratching behind yeah. his ear. It's yes. very nicely done. Very nicely done. It is. And the thing is, you can, you can sort of, you can. It's easy enough to miss anyway, but even if you don't miss it, you can you can overlook it because you've yeah. got that really yeah. dodgy. Yeah, but he's barnet. constantly scratching behind uh, and the and ear like a dog like... would if it had fleas. Um, it's very very yeah. nicely done. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a very uh, nice. Touch. Unlike the fucking Daphne fight, um, which look, yeah. look, they've they've threatened it all the way through. They've been teasing it, and obviously there's baggage attached to Sarah Michelle Gellar at this point. She's fucking Buffy the Vampire yes. Slayer right we know that she can throw a punch yeah. alright yes I know that's mostly a stunt woman but Sarah knows how to act in a fight she knows how to deliver those close ups she knows how to throw a punch so they instead of running with that and letting her do her thing they decide to put her on a wire because it's the early 2000s yes. and the wire work is ridiculously over the top and again it goes yes, into it the is. absurd here and just loses me the fight is fucking awful um and look yeah. for, for me to say uh, like, yeah for me to be watching sarah michelle geller throwing down and kicking ass and say it's awful is a big thing like you would have to go severely wrong for me to not enjoy this and they went severely wrong no, until the end of the fight um there is a point at the end of the fight where she does just she just switches off she's not daphne anymore she just channels buffy for a couple of moments there um and and that's fine um, but it's it's when she's in close up i forget what the line is but she delivers a line just before she finishes the guy off and it's all good but the wire work stuff is dreadful yeah it's yeah i think it's along the lines of earlier on um when she he's the guy's chasing her and he, he calls her a damsel in distress and then they have the fight and she she kicks him and he's basically he's basically lying over yes. an open manhole isn't he you know, barely touching the sides and she says who's the damsel in distress now he looks at her looks absolutely petrified you know, whimpers on me and then she kicks him yes. through the fucking manhole and that's the end of him and yeah it's it's again it's 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 functional but I think again part of the baggage is that you're not you're not watching Buffy and it's not shot in the way that Buffy fight is shot is, is, is shot and it doesn't look right and probably I think that's is part partially of the, my baggage yeah I problem. agree um, but I, I don't think in in any world that wire work looks good it probably did then because it was trendy no, and there was a lot of wire work in, in martial arts films at this time there was but I mean wire work generally wire work is either brilliant and seamless or it's fucking atrocious but it has, it has to ground. feel and earned uh, and, it, and it has to feel relevant it, it to the story and the universe so for instance, in something like Crouching, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it's it's ever present, so it's okay. You go with it. In yes. something like Charlie's Angels, yeah. the whole film is over the fucking top, so you go with it. In things like The Matrix, it yeah. can be explained away in the universe, so you go with it. But it just yes. has no place here, at all. No, and it, I mean, it, as I said, it was true. It was trendy at the time, and I said that the whole whole fight choreography just seemed off. Um, it just seemed to be overly complex and it didn't really yeah. work yeah um, uh, yeah so, so we get then we get you know back inside and everything's throwing down and, and Shag and Scoob have their big kind of makeup so that they can sort of team up together and, and, and defeat Scrappy and yeah. they confess their undying love to each other 
um, which is just what you need in a good family-friendly film. A bit of bestiality. Um, yeah. You know. Absolutely. What we all need. I'll it. Um, and then again, another another great line um, when when the final reveal comes, um, when he refers to them as meddling sons of, <laughs> and then it just yes. cuts out. And then the, the door is shut, yeah. and he's, he doesn't get to say it. Yeah, I mean, I my biggest problem with the end, and again, this probably comes to the Scooby Doo baggage, but the fact that there's always a tangible threat. It's always it's always a physical thing. It's no, it's never actually a ghost. It's never actually it's never actually monsters or ghosts. There were monsters, and there were no, there were protoplasmic souls being sucked out yeah. of people. Where the fuck did that come from? That's not Scooby Doo. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess, um, but. It's an adaptation, I guess. You either, you know, it's the same as we talk about whenever, and this is on the other shows more than this one. But whenever there's a remake or a reimagining of something or whatever, you can take it or leave it, and that's always my view with those kind of things. Like more often than not, I don't need a remake or a reboot, so I'll just leave it. Yeah. Thanks. And I guess this is this is kind of the same way. Um, this is a film adaptation of Scooby Doo. It's not going to be. Scooby Doo the cartoon, um, but and, and I I fully acknowledge that yeah, yeah. if I was a, a huge Scooby Doo fan, I'd probably be just as, just as annoyed and down on it as you are, but I'm not. I think the problem for me is that I mean the problem for me is that they've they've gone out of their way all the way through to set up you know from no from the Lunar Ghost right at the beginning uh, and, and even to the fact that um you no know, Rowan Atkinson was actually Scrappy driving a robot mm-hmm. like a, like a Power Ranger. All of that is it. All of that can be explained away in the physical world, in, in the, the physical world that they have created for this for this film. But somehow they can extract souls from bodies, and somehow there are monsters that burst into flames when they come into contact with sunlight. And it's not, it doesn't fit within the world they built, and that's that that's the bit yeah. that bugs me with it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I can see that. Yeah, it doesn't. The two things don't necessarily go hand in hand. But then, you know, I think I think they make it work. Um, you know, it doesn't. I don't bump up against the monsters because they fit into Scrappy's grand plan. Mm. At the end of the day, um, and I, I just think it gives it a nice kind of, it gives it a nice fun kind of family-friendly tone as well. They're not scary monsters. No, they're not. We're not talking about, you know, complete psychopaths either on the human side of things. Um, it, it gives it that kind of. And look, I am not comparing the two because this is nowhere near in the same league. But it does give it that kind of Ghostbusters vibe, where it's just a family-friendly kind of slightly scary romp. You know, the kids are going to be just scared enough for those monsters, but not terrified of them. Um, so it gives them a little thrill. You know, whereas we, yeah, we look at them and go, yeah, they're stupid. Um, but it just it just adds to that little adventure vibe. You know, um, I I really like this. As I say, I know it's a bad film. I like it for what it is. There are there are definitely issues, um, but they're actually of all the things that we've watched. I think it's it's the rubber aside, which is genuinely a fucking good film, and I don't know how we ever came to lump it in with the kind of dross that we talk about I on this show. I think it was a suggestion, wasn't it? It was a suggestion, yeah. Um, Rubber's a genuinely good film, I think. Um, this is not. I would call this probably a solid six out of ten maybe a seven if you caught me in the right mood which incidentally it probably did on saturday um but no it you know it's, it's a resoundingly average film i would say um that, that's elevated for me by a 
yeah, by an emotional attachment. It is an emotional attachment for me to to the cast and and to the time and the place that it was shot. You know, that's just yeah. I I think it's okay. I really do. I I think it's I think it's fine. It's resoundingly fine. Is what this film is. Yeah, I, I think I think you've hit on that. I mean, I think that for me, it's it's an average film. It's not. There's nothing special. I do have issues with it. I mean, I, I, I like the I like the writing. I like the script. I think there were some really good moments in it, some really funny moments. As I did chuckle all the way through, uh, and there were some bits where I laughed in spite of myself. Um, I I think that yeah, I just think for think for me because as a your your attachment came from the cast, mine came from the characters. Yeah, and it didn't quite work in the same way. And I think that that's something that was always yeah, and that, that's always, fair. You know, was always a risk bring... and. Yeah. I mean, if you look at um, no, stuff, certainly the um, some of the stuff that came before, which was similar things like the um, the Flintstones um, live action version. Now that's bad. No, that's fucking atrocious. Um, yeah, and there are very, no, there there are very few redeeming features to that. But I didn't have the same attachment to the Flintstones. That the Flintstones was around, and I saw it, and I was aware of it. And again, it was a bit silly. And, you know, but you know, you had uh, dinosaurs were effectively gadgets and they did things that you know, we have now so you had you know, a record player was a was a, a bird with a long beak that they put, you know, put it into the groove and it played the record so it was all stuff that was just kind of there it was a bit silly and a bit like Neh. whereas yeah Scooby-Doo Scooby-Doo was you know, it's it's why I love thrillers it's why I love mystery novels and stuff like because it, it kind of embedded that, that sort of storytelling and that sort of that sort of affinity in me so to see I don't know it just didn't for me it didn't translate as well as I wanted to it did it didn't have the feel because of the things I've, I've mentioned. It didn't. It didn't feel like a Scooby Doo film. It felt like a film that Scooby Doo was kind of cameoing, which. Yeah, I think that's fair. It definitely has its own feel, and I think it certainly tries to ape something like a like a Ghostbusters or a Gremlins mm. more than it does a Scooby Doo. I think that's fair, and I and I also see like where you're coming from, like in the same way that, you know, I mean, we, the only Batman film we've really talked about is, is Batman and Robin, which is obviously resoundingly bad. But yeah. when people try to talk to me about things like The Dark Knight Rises and I get on my high horse, you know, I understand that that is my baggage. It's not yeah. the film is necessarily bad. I think it is. Um, but I also think it is for a lot of reasons in that I don't think it's a faithful adaptation. And that is a franchise that I have I hold very near and dear. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess this is the same thing for you. And I, I totally understand how that's a thing. Um, I, I think for me, though, I've I've actually. I think I probably did enjoy this at the time. And then I let myself, especially after the second one, I let myself buy into the narrative that it is a an awful film. And I think actually what that's done is meant that I have tarred Raja Gosnell particularly yes. with a brush for many, many years and not watched pretty much anything else that he's done. And I now feel a little bit guilty about that because I do think this is pretty well handled. As I say, the action especially is really well handled. And there are some performance moments that are pitch perfect. So I, I may actually have a cheeky look at some more of his stuff. I mean, look, James Gunn is, is James Gunn. Yes. Um, I had forgotten that he'd written this. That was trivia I, that I knew. I wasn't but aware I had of forgotten. that, I've got to be honest. Um, I, I remembered almost as soon as the film started. Um, and then that was interesting because it's the first time I've actually watched it with that knowledge. Hmm. Um, and, and you can, yeah, it's definitely got his feel. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I remember we had a conversation a number of years ago when, um, I think after the first Avengers film came out and then, 
um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started on TV and there's a line very early on in that which is very clearly a Joss Whedon joke. Yes. And with the same with the same here, there are some things that are very definitely... Um, They're very James definitely Dun- James, James Dunn's tone. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so and not just quite, his tone, uh, but also the, the central relationships between the Scooby gang as well is very atypical of, of the kind of dysfunctional family yeah. unit that, that Gunn uses quite a lot. Yes. Um, you know, so... Yeah, and, and yeah, just the, the tone as well. Like, if you look at... I know, obviously, it's a far more adult film... But if you look at the tone of something like um, like Slither, yeah, you know that kind of creature feature tone is is here as well, albeit watered down for kids. Yeah, and um, that kind of blackly comic creature feature, it, it's there. Like I said, it's got that kind of it's kind of a mid eighties kind of feel. Yeah, really, definitely. That. Yeah, and, and, and it, it does work. I mean, just coming back to Roger Gosnell, it's then I was I I'm not, wasn't overly familiar with his filmography, um, but it features Home Alone three. Didn't he do uh, the Smurfs as well? Yeah, um, Big Mama's House, uh, Yours, Mine, and Ours, which is a Dennis Quaid vehicle about a, um, about a couple with eighteen kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, uh, the Smurfs, and the Smurfs two, and Show Dogs. So there's nothing jumping out of me there that I really, really want to see. I've seen the Smurfs and the Smurfs too. I haven't because yeah. it was Raja Gosnell and he'd done Scooby Doo, and yeah. I was in the narrative of like he's a bad filmmaker. I have seen Big Mama's House and I think it's atrocious. Yeah, um, but again, I, 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 to be honest, you could have given that to Spielberg, and I don't think you'd have saved it. I just think it was a really bad fucking concept, yeah. script, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go... I, I went into the Smurfs. I, I always liked the Smurfs, so I went in. I thought, I'll go and see it. It was all right. It was passable. Yeah. So, you know, not, there's no, never going to change my life. Um, but there's nothing else really on his list that's jumping out at me and saying, I've got to see that film. So I, I'm not really that bothered I've passed it Beverly by. Hills Chihuahua yeah. is something that... Um, in a period, which I think was probably about five years ago now, any Disney Blu-ray or DVD that you bought had the fucking trailer... Yes. Beverly Hills Chihuahua on it, so I am very acutely aware of that film. Never watched it because it looks terrible. Um, well, they but, made three of the fuckers, so. Uh... But maybe I should jump on that if I want to see some more of what he's like. Maybe I should go for uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Maybe so, it's probably on Disney Life by now. Probably, I'll tell you now. Keep keep talking, I'll find it. Oh fuck, man! He did never been kissed. Which one's that? Is the one that Drew Barrymore? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's all right. Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, think that, I think that predates Scooby Doo. So that's, that's a decent film. Yeah. Again, it's not. Uh... Uh, oh fuck off. Um, yeah, I can't load Disney Life. Apparently, I'm a, I'm abroad or something. I don't know. Ah, uh, maybe you've been hacked like me. No, uh, it, it says, "Are you traveling? You can only play stuff in your home region." So I can't look on Disney Life at the moment. There you go. It might be because I'm connect. I'm on the call as well. Maybe it's uh, it just doesn't like trying to multitask. Yeah, maybe. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't have that baggage with Roger Gosnell. I've got to be honest. I didn't wasn't really aware of anything he'd done. Um, um, there's nothing jump. Nothing jumps out of me that I absolutely have to see. I've got to I, I mean, I I can understand his his story chops now because as as an editor, um, he's edited Mrs. Doubtfire, Home Alone mm. Two, yeah. Only the Lonely with John Candy, um, Home Alone, Pretty Woman. Uh, DOA with Dennis Quaid, yeah. uh, Teen Wolf two, like he's... the classic that was. Hey, leave leave anything Teen Wolf related out of this, all right? 
maybe like maybe we'll one. get onto him one day. Um, oh fuck, he also edited Popeye. Yes, or at does. least he was in the editorial department. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, Jesus. Um, and he's got thanks on Adventures in Babysitting. What the thanks are for, I don't know. But Adventures in Babysitting is a stone cold classic, and I'll hear no one say anything against it. Um, <laughs> anyway. The collected works of Roger Gosnell, everyone. Give him <laughs> the, here endeth the lesson. Let's give him another shot, as if he needs one. Um, yeah, he hasn't done anything for a while, has he? I don't think so, no. That was the last, no, Show Dogs last year, actually. He needs to phone his own friend, his old friend James Gunn, doesn't he? Get in some of that Marvel shit. Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't know if they touch him at the moment. Uh, no, probably not. Uh, but, um, yeah, there, look, you go. there you go. In, in summation... Um, I had a good time with this. I actually had a better... Yeah, I'm going to say it. Fuck it. I'm not ashamed of it. I had a better time watching this on Saturday than I did Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I did not enjoy it, and I don't think it's a horrendous film. It just for me, it wasn't what I wanted a Scooby-Doo film to be, and I think that having a similar experience where I, I, I saw it at the cinema, I enjoyed it, I've seen it on TV or bits of it on TV over the years, and it's never really annoyed me. It's never really offended me. But again, I've got into that similar similar thing of thinking of thinking it's a bad film. I don't want to watch it. It's a bad film. Yeah. And then and then coming back to it, I've come back to it in a particular in a particular mindset that says, look, you know what? It's not what I want it to be. It's not what I. It's not my Scooby Doo, and I can kind of live with. I can live without it. I'm not that bothered by it. I don't think it's a bad film. I would I would say it's better than Mario. I think that it's um, it's more entertaining. It's more watchable. And no, it, that there's a lot more in it. That I could take away. So yeah, it's yeah. it's not horrendous. It's just not what I wanted no. a Scooby Doo film to be. No, I mean I'd echo a certain amount of that sentiment. Um, I I I think I obviously like it more than you do. Um, but look, this is never going to be my first choice. Even if I want to watch a film of this elk, I'm going to go and grab Ghostbusters or Gremlins or Goonies or something like that. Yeah, um, I mean I'm not even sure this would be my first choice if I were looking for a film with a talking dog. Uh, no absolutely not um i would agree you know I, I don't think it would be my first choice for anything it wouldn't be my first choice if i wanted a film starring sarah michelle geller um or well, it might be my first choice if i wanted a film starring freddie prince jr or matthew lillard maybe mm. oh, I, I don't mind she's all that um it's generic tribe and it's fine. i think no i think i'd go for this first though actually um so yeah is it better than mario for me uh, yes i would actually say Rubber aside, which is in a league all of its own, I think this is probably the best film we've watched to date. Um, not yeah, think it pro- is. For me, I would yeah. say this is the best film we've watched to date. Yeah, you're probably right there, actually. This is the new high bar, I think. Um, make of that what you will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, bring on Scooby-Doo 2. Um, let's let's yeah, see how should quickly... not do that next. Oh no, actually can, uh, not. No, let's give it. Some... I don't think I can stomach another one straight away. Let's give it some breathing room. Um, I'll see if I can track down Simply Irresistible as well. Um, yeah. And for anybody listening out there who hasn't seen it, if you can find it, if it is out there, um, it's fucking so bad. You should really, <laughs> really watch it. I mean, if 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 Magic Crab didn't sell it to you, then I I don't know what will. So. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, as always, we'd love to know what people think. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be in the minority. Um, 
but yeah let us know oh about. i don't know i'm pretty sure i'm going to be in the minority here <laughs> i just let us know guys because i'm interested um yeah absolutely i mean obviously we know we, we always love talking to, to people and sort of getting people's thoughts but yeah it'd be interesting to see which way people are falling on this film because it's it, i mean it's it seems fairly consistent actually that some love it some hate it um I, I i don't hate it i'm just largely indifferent to it um but yeah drop us a line uh, mario at ddpodcast.net um or on facebook at double down podcast network uh, on twitter at ddpodcastnet um yeah get in touch that's what you think any films that you think we should probably be looking at um no we, we have a we have a list but we're happy to add to it happy to take suggestions and, and get people's input on those as well um, we're taking a short break just because it's summer and I want to go somewhere hot and not be sat in front of my computer for a couple of weeks. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but until next time. See you later. <laughs>